You could stand at half court and ref better than these guys. We are back with another episode of From the Rafters. Uh, Sam and I are here on a Thursday, I believe. Yes, it is a Thursday. I uh, would guest Adam Kaufman. Uh, how you doing today, Adam? Good, guys. How you doing? Pretty good. good. Pretty good. Thank Thanks you for coming on. For joining us. Yeah. Happy to. Yeah. So, what are we talking about? What are we doing here? A lot of stuff's going on, right? And the first thing we wanted to bring up is uh, Governor Baker of Massachusetts went to TD Garden the other day. Uh, to talk with the Bruins about having fans, uh, around 7,500 fans uh, in the arena for games. So do you know anything about that, or do you think there'll be fans at Celtics games as well? Like, what do you think is going on there? I don't think anybody knows anything about anything at this point. <laughs> Obviously, the, uh, that's that's not taking anything away from, you know, other people in the media or people inside the Bruins and Celtics organizations, TD Garden, obviously, or even, you know, the governor's office. I think it's just the it's the unpredictability of the pandemic right now. That's just the reality. I mean, numbers are skyrocketing. They're spiking. I mean, we're getting, you know, upwards of 6000 confirmed cases in Massachusetts per day. You know, it's it's a problem, obviously. And holidays right around the corner, I imagine, with people getting together with families numbers are going to continue to accelerate you don't want to see that but I, I just think that's inevitable and so I think despite the fact that the Celtics season is obviously getting underway inside a couple of weeks now and the NHL season is still what uh probably a, a month and a half away thereabouts anyway they're talking mid-January at the moment we're just we're at a point where all of this is so incredibly unpredictable and you know I I do think that there will be some commonality. For instance, you know, I think it's unlikely the Bruins would be able to welcome fans in. The Celtics uh, wouldn't be able to, you know what I mean? I think it's the rules are going to apply to, to TD Garden. They're going to apply to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, to stadiums and, and arenas in general. So, you know, I think it'll be one or the other for both teams, obviously. And, and it'd be great. It, you know, we all want to see fans back in buildings, but you know, let's let's not rush it either. Health and safety comes first. You know, what they're doing down in Florida is just psychotic. And uh, <laughs> I don't think you're going to see anything like that in Massachusetts anytime soon. Yeah, I yeah, didn't get that. When I heard that news, I was like, oh, no way is that a thing. I, I, like 7,500 is a lot. That's almost it's a third. 50% capacity of the garden. Yeah, sure. probably closer to 30, 33, yeah. I don't get why the Raptors are going to Tampa. I feel like that's like the worst place they could have possibly yeah. chosen in the United States, right? <laughs> Well, I I think you just answered why it's because there are no rules in Florida. <laughs> so you know what the what the hell? Let's let's go there. We can make a home there. We don't have to share a building with anybody else. There's no team basketball wise in Tampa, obviously, to uh, compete with. It's you know they they can go and and hope for the best. I mean, look, there if if players are smart, the league is smart, everyone follows protocol, this can be successful. You know, the Orlando bubble was immensely successful. The Toronto and Edmonton NHL bubbles were incredibly successful. Major League Baseball's playoff bubble 
for the most part, was very successful. Obviously, you had the situation with Justin Turner and the Dodgers, but you know more on account of the fact that I think that he's an idiot. And the NFL hopefully will have uh, some sort of bubble or something. Roger Goodell's been resistant, but hopefully they'll do something to uh, as as best contain this as possible to try and get through the playoffs and Super Bowl relatively on schedule without having to go beyond President's Day or something like that. But it's, you know, everyone's just trying to kind of play the hand they're dealt at the moment. And, you know, with these teams, these leagues not being in bubbles to start their new years, at least as things exist right now, everyone's going to have to be that much more cognizant and safe and uh, concerned for not just their own health and safety, but everybody around them. You know, that's that's how we try and stop this thing but it's just i mean we have in terms of deaths we've we've passed 911 numbers you know it's this is a it, it's a horrible thing that for whatever reason there are a lot of people that still aren't quite taking it seriously yeah it, it's it's definitely tough it i mean the bubble was great and you, like you said all the other bubbles were successful as well it's it, it'll be interesting to see how the season goes i i have faith in the nba i think they are really you know, they, they do things well. They make sure everyone's following protocols, things like that. I feel like it might go better than the NFL. There's less players on the team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. once the season does get back underway, you know, it is supposed to start in a couple weeks here. Uh, we've got a big question on our hands with what the starting lineup should be on opening night. W- what do you think about that? Well, you don't have Kemba Walker. You know that. So uh, he's going to be out until uh... – at least January sometimes. So he's going to miss at least the first couple weeks of the season, maybe longer. You know, that knee continues to be a real concern for the duration of that contract, never mind just this year. But that's a whole other conversation that maybe we'll get into. As far as what opening night looks like, let's think. I mean, you're going to have the two Jays, uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. You're going to have, uh, I, I don't know if Tristan Thompson's injury that he's dealing with right now is going to linger or be an issue. Maybe it's just safe to say that Daniel Tice is going to be the starter you know, at the big man position, that leaves you two spots. Marcus Smart in all likelihood is starting. I, I don't think they'll thrust Jeff Teague right in there. I think Teague is probably better served to come off the bench at the beginning, although it wouldn't shock me one way or the other. And uh, Grant Williams could start. That's entirely possible. That was um, you know, I mean, I mean who, who else would it be, right? It, it's mean, tough. You got so many young guys. I mean, unless my you, take like, throw Peyton was, or something in there. It's just not. Yeah, like, yeah if they no, really wanted to force him. No in, chance. That won't happen. No. no chance. No, I mean, it's, you know, you want to talk about it, and he's not even healthy enough to play, but if you wanted to attempt to make a case for a Romeo Langford or, you know, a second yeah. year guy like that, but, you know, these rookies, there's no summer league. There's really no preseason. There are two games. There's, and, and jump right into the NBA. There, never mind. Richard or Neesmith starting like it, it could be a little while conceivably before these guys are even part of the rotation maybe Neesmith because Brad Stevens seems really impressed with him early and obviously we know he can shoot and that's been something the Celtics have really lacked in recent years but you know Pritchard it's going to be a bit I just my pure guess anyway no yeah Go I mean Jack. yeah like I like Pritchard. I think he'll be a better fit for the Celtics than Edwards or Tremont, even though I really like Tremont Waters um, in the long run. But like you said, the Celtics never play rookies in their first year. That's just that's just how it is unless you're Jason Tatum. Um, so I think it will be a while, and I don't think Carson's ready either. 
So it's probably going to be like just Marcus and Jeff Teague playing point guard, at least until Kemba gets back, um, which is fine. Like, Smart can play point guard. Teague's a fine backup. Um, but that that just means Grant Williams, I think, is going to have to grow quicker because there's going to be a lot of, I don't, I don't want to say pressure, but a lot of stuff on his plate for him to deal with because he'll probably end up in the starting lineup at the four. Uh, and he'll have to keep up that shooting. And, like, I, I know Brad Stevens was talking about him specifically the other day. Like, he's going to have to defend multiple positions, you know, make his shots and all this stuff. And it's a lot of pressure for a second-year guy. But I, I love Grant Williams, so I, I have no doubt in my mind he can handle it. Going back yeah, to Carson I'm, Edwards. Oh, you, mm-hmm. you go ahead. You no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, I also really like Grant Williams. I don't think, you know, he's we've been calling him this for a couple of years now, but I think he's kind of Al Horford light. You know, I think he's going to be a, a really strong role player in the NBA for a long time. Wouldn't it all surprise me if he's on a championship team? Hopefully that's in Boston. But I don't think he's, you know, ever going to be an all-star. He's not going to have award recognition, but he's going to be a guy that's just a – he's such a, a smart, you know, high IQ uh good generally mistake-free player that is obviously young and improving and uh i think he's he's going to be around a while and he's going to be a good contributor excellent board game player as well he's been breaking yeah. in the new rookies absolutely uh, so so you mentioned carson edwards briefly uh do you think he has a future with this team uh considering his style of play and the the depth they have at guard especially with drafting pritchard and also tremont waters who me and jack both think he was great last year we're really high on him uh, what, what do you think of the Edwards situation? What do you think the Celtics will do with him? I think if we were having this conversation a year and a couple months ago when he was shooting like crazy in the preseason, had that ridiculous game in Cleveland, I'd probably have a different answer. But I think that, you know, unfortunately you saw probably where he's at for the most part last year in that he spent the bulk of the year in Maine in the G League and, you know, didn't even have all that great a year. Obviously, Tremont Waters had himself a really good season, but uh uh, Edwards was just okay. I mean, they they drafted him to be a shooter, and he got into the pros, and he couldn't shoot. So, you know, that doesn't mean he'll never figure it out. It, we're talking about a, a young kid who's got one pro season, not even entirely in the NBA, under his belt. And uh, obviously the track record there in, in tournament runs and in college speaks for itself. You know, he's he's a very capable player, but I think it's he's just going to have to work a little harder in the NBA to find that niche and and needs that shot to start falling to be part of the rotation because if it doesn't, he's not going to be. He doesn't really bring you anything else. And so, you know, right now you kind of look at him as a, a fringe NBA player, which honestly is not even that big a slight. That's true of most second-round picks. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think drafting Neesmith or Pritchard necessarily – spells the end of Carson Edwards in Boston or anything like that. He's got a contract. He's going to be around for a few years. But, yeah, it's an up, uphill climb. It's a tougher road for him because now you got guys that, you know, they're built differently. They're they're bigger guys than than Edwards is, or at least Neesmith is. But these are guys that, you know, they, they have a similar, similar skill set and other skill sets as well. So it's, uh, it, look, perfect world. These guys can can all shoot the lights out and, you know, you, you got yourself a, a Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero situation. I mean, that's that was one of the things that obviously killed the Celtics in the playoffs last year. I mean, it wasn't the number one. The number one was Bam Adebayo. But yeah, he was a monster. The, uh, you know, the fact that you had those, you know, that, that depth and shooting prowess going against you was really beneficial for the Heat all year long, all postseason long. And it's something the uh, the Celtics obviously really need. 
They, I mean, they even had a lights out shooter since Eddie House. That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, the closest thing they had was Brad Wanamaker last year, and he's he had so many <laughs> other things. Not a shooter. Oh no, he had so many other things going on. So that was just. Uh, um, but yeah, something I had written down that I wanted to talk about was the young point guard get uh, who gets minutes like Pritchard. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, Waters and Edwards. Um, you just talked a lot about Edwards. Uh, like Sam said, we're both really high on Tremont Waters, but it's tougher for him because obviously he's on a two-way contract, and they did give Edwards that, I think, four-year deal at the time, which, I mean, at right. the time, it seemed like a great contract because he was, like you said, shooting the lights out, made eight threes against the Cavs, something ridiculous. But I personally like Waters better than Edwards. I think Sam's in the same boat. What are your thoughts for on sure. the two of them? Can they exist on the same team together? Like, they're both five foot ten point guards. You know what I'm saying? It's just a very niche role. What do you think about the two? Like, I don't want to pit them against each other, but I'm going to pit them against each other. Uh, I think you kind of have to. I, I don't really think they can be they can coexist on the same roster, and and that's not a slight on them as individuals or as players so much as just roster construction. You can only have so many of the same players, and you know, even more than that. Like it's it's all well and good when you start to think about depth and injuries to examine a a twelve man roster, right? But what really matters is is your rotation and your rotation. I know Brad Stevens tends to have a larger rotation, maybe than most NBA coaches, but that's not true once you get to the playoffs. Obviously, in the regular season, you know you're spreading things out more, but for the most part, you're still talking about eight, nine. A lot of times with Brad, 10 guys, but you're not really so much talking about 11 and 12. And that's where guys like that, Edwards more so than Waters currently sort of fall in. And if, you know, more guys are going to get an opportunity early on, you would think for a variety of reasons. One, injuries to Kemba Walker and Romeo Langford. Um, obviously, Tristan Thompson is is bothered a little bit. You're going to just have the, the, the fact that it's such a... a dense, top-heavy, front-loaded schedule that they've got going on. They don't even know the second half of the schedule officially. That You know, they're going to really, in the short turnaround, going. they last played September 27th. They're going to be playing less than a couple months later, October, well, three months later. Um, you only have so, so much time uh, to, to get ready. And so... Brad's going to play a lot of guys a lot of minutes early on, conceivably, just to keep everyone as as fresh and healthy as possible. When you get into the nitty gritty later on in the season, though, what's your rotation really look like? You know, and and performance obviously will impact this. But let's just pretend for the sake of the conversation, everybody is mostly healthy. You're going to have Tatum, Brown, Walker, Smart, uh, Grant Williams. Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice, um, at seven right there. I'd like Robert Williams to be part of that mix very much. That would be eight. Uh, and, you know, at this point, we're still not even talking about the rookies. Maybe Neesmith is a really good shooter off the bench. He would be nine, right? Uh, there's, you know, a no counting for the likes of Shemi Ojale, who tends to find some minutes from time to time, <laughs> obviously haven't mentioned Pritchard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, Oh, Jeff Teague, obviously. Yeah. And so, you know, before I've even mentioned some of those depth guys that I just mentioned there at the back, you know, back end final few, uh, I mean, you've got 10 guys right there, nine or 10 guys. Now, again, not everyone stays healthy throughout the course of a year, but 
you know, these guys, it's going to be a uh, a battle just to even find rotational minutes and opportunity, let alone trying to beat guys out for roster spots. So those are different hurdles. You know, some guys, Kemba, Tatum, Brown, smart guys like that, that that's not on their radar anymore. They're past that point in their careers. But guys like Edwards and Waters and Pritchard and Neesmith and guys like that, I mean, they're they're still in the thick of it. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Do you think the Celtics got better this offseason despite losing Hayward? Do you think they did enough to contend? Uh, You know, obviously making the Eastern Conference Finals last year, you could say it was kind of lucky that Milwaukee didn't meet them there. Do you think they got better? No. I don't think they got significantly worse. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I think think they're generally comparable to to where they were. You know, I, I think that... You know, the bubble was a whole other experience in and of itself, you know, will to win and and, you know, max intensity and blocking out the noise and and ignoring real life and not having your family and friends and familiarity and everything around you. Like there was a lot to ask mentally and emotionally, never mind physically from teams that were part of that bubble. And I think some teams just didn't, you know, some teams quit some teams quit like the Sixers quit the Bucks, I think, quit. You know, the Clippers quit, you know, the a, a lot of teams like the Heat, the Celtics, others, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Denver was playing out of its mind, you know, coming right. back from down three, one a couple of times, like some teams obviously didn't and, and, you know, really benefited or not benefited, but really took advantage of it, it, well embraced, yeah. you know, the situation yeah. that they were facing and and ran with it and 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 that mattered that was significant but you know now you get into a new year where yes it's still different for sure than it once was but you know teams are going to be traveling they are going to be at home there is home court advantage maybe in with fans in some cities without fans in other cities like we you know acknowledged earlier but you know for the Celtics you sort of break down the roster in certain parts like Tatum and Brown are going to continue to develop and get better. Smart, I believe, is still going to continue to improve. He's not just who he is. I think there's another gear to his game. I really do believe that Kemba's knee is immensely concerning. But if obviously he can be healthy, you know, that's a, a step in the right direction from where he was last year. I think, you know, losing Ennis Cantor and losing um, Brad Wanamaker. Wanamaker, I think you've upgraded with Tristan Thompson, and Jeff Teague. I think both of those guys are upgrades over the two that you lost. And I, I think the rookies, I, I like the rookie class. I really do. But what the Celtics did not address was a Gordon Hayward, you know, and, and that doesn't mean you need a, a max player who's going to give you, um, you know, 18 to 20 points a game and, and be so incredibly efficient as Hayward was last year. But, you know, he was, he did a lot of things that didn't show up in the stat sheet. And I know we as Celtics fans, we talk about that a lot with the likes of Al Horford and other guys. And we make a big deal out of that sort of thing. And, and some people watch and just say, Gordon Hayward, you know, and eh, not that great. Other people watch and say, Gordon Hayward, you know, it doesn't get his, his due. And I guess I fall into the latter because, you know, he was as good when, whenever, when healthy, you know, which he wasn't a lot of the time. He was as good a two-way player as the Celtics had. You know, maybe Jason Tatum at this point in time is better, but for a long time, that wasn't the case. So he was as good a two-way player, offensive, defensive player, as the Celtics had. Um, you know, he was a 
you know, more obviously than a capable defender. He was a really good playmaker, ball handler, uh, you know, floor general, could run the offense, didn't have to lean on the point guard. The Celtics, you know, hopefully in bringing in Teague more so than Wanamaker, he can be some of that. And he can obviously give you more offense on a regular basis than Wanamaker did. But the Celtics, you know, they don't have that guy. You know, like, uh, I, I'll just never understand the people that looked at Hayward, and, you know, and just said, ah, he's redundant. He's not that important. I don't view it that way. I, I don't think that it was him and Tatum and Brown all kind of trying to be the same guy and do the same thing. They do different things. They have different abilities and different things they do better than others. And so, you know, if if we were talking about this team bringing back Gordon Hayward and obviously projecting his health, then they absolutely would have made strides in the right direction. I think the the question now becomes, you know, all right, this team is what it is, still right there near the top of the Eastern Conference. It's a, a top 10 team in the NBA, maybe even top seven or eight. And it's it's poised to, if all goes well, make a good deep playoff run. But what is, you know, is, is Danny Ainge going to be able to use that trade exception, you know, before the trade deadline? Is he going to save it till not, next offseason? Is he never going to use it at all? Which obviously is Celtics fans' worst nightmare. And would, you know, the the whole, you know, you got nothing for Gordon Hayward camp would uh, would would rise again after being think about it for a, a period of time. But it's, <laughs> you know, but that is a possibility. And so, um, but he's not doing anything right now, like Buddy Heald or, or you know, I don't know, Nick Vucevic <laughs> or or Aaron Gordon or Otto whoever Porter the like these, or Harrison. Yeah, Barnes like these or... Yeah, to to quote Rick Patino, these guys aren't walking through the door, fans. <laughs> you know, these like these guys aren't coming in anytime soon, right? So you gotta adjust with what you got at the moment. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So we know you're going to get going pretty soon, but before you go, uh, usually when we have a guest on for the first time, I run through a couple Celtics fan questions, uh, see what your, I don't know, take, take's probably not the right thing, but see what your answers would be. Uh, the first one is, do you have a favorite piece of Celtics memorabilia? What's the story behind it and why? I mean, behind you, you've got a wall of all kinds of collectibles, yeah, so I'm sure you have an awesome story for us. I, I appreciate that. I'm trying to think. Favorite piece of, uh, well, what's what's really funny is I've got a, uh, a pair of Celtics game-worn, player-worn sneakers that somebody gave me uh, who was a season ticket holder, uh, this this guy I used to work for. He gave them to me. I think the team must have given them to him, and he gave them to me back at – this was back in the 90s, and he had had season tickets for decades. Uh, the really funny thing is he didn't know, and as a result, I don't know, who in the heck wore them. <laughs> so, like they, like, like, they could be Larry Bird-worn. They could be, like – I don't know, like Purvis Ellison. Like I, I mean, yeah, you can tell a little bit based on the the size of the sneaker, and I, I don't remember what size they are, but I have no clue who wore them. Probably, uh, well, this is pretty cool, actually. I, I know that. Well, I don't know that people won't be able to see it, but you guys will be able to see it anyway. Uh, I I went to a uh, Togo Palazzi who played for the Celtics a long, long time ago, like at the beginning of time. Uh, <laughs> brought me to a uh a Celtics season ticket holder event this was when I was still in college or or high school maybe I wasn't certainly working in the media uh but I, I went to this event and uh this visor here that maybe you can see oh, wow uh, I brought it and so it's signed by uh Tommy Heinsohn Bob Cousy Robert Parrish Togo Gene Conley uh Jojo White 
and uh, and Dana Barros. So it's not not all players here created equal, but that is uh, that that's who it's signed by. So that that probably and I'm I'm pissed because I'm looking at it and the koozie signature is kind of starting to fade a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But the uh, that's that's probably on on my Celtics memorabilia list. That would have to be number one. That's That's a really awesome one. Super jealous of the Tommy signature. Obviously, Tommy. Yeah, legend. Legend. Um, So next question would be. Do you have a favorite uh, game that you've been at? You know, obviously being in the media, you probably get to go to games and stuff. I see you've got the full collection of the starting five bobbleheads that they would give out. So I'm sure you've right. been at your fair share. Do you have a favorite game that you've got to witness at the Garden? Uh, so I had uh, I had season tickets with with friends for um, we had them for the entirety of the new big three era. So I guess that was the 07, 08 season through the first year of Brad Stevens. And then we gave them up because schedules got too busy, but uh, we'd go to a lot of games during obviously uh, an incredible time in Celtics history. And I would say there, uh, there were a couple, I went to the, um, that, you know, famous playoff game, uh, be, you know, the, the duel between Paul Pierce and LeBron James where they each went oh, really? for plus points. Yeah. That, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember if that was a second round or, or conference final game at this it point. Second. That's second what I round. thought. Yeah. And then, um, but probably the only one that trumped that just for pure intensity in the garden sake, something that I hope we'll get to experience again, uh, in the not too distant future. Uh, I went to game one of the 08 NBA finals against the Lakers. Really? And, uh, yeah. And just the, I mean, they, just the, the atmosphere in that building, the Celtics being back in the finals, you know, for the first time since the eighties and uh, obviously going up against LA and Kobe and, and, you know, year one of, of Pierce KG and Allen, it was just such a, an incredible experience. I mean, I'm sure that would have been, if I'd been able to go to game six that year when they actually won it at the garden that, you know, that would trump all, but, uh, to go to game one was really cool. I'm super jealous. I hope I get to go to the finals one day. That'd be something else. Um, so obviously you have been to those all kinds of games. Is there some, do you have a favorite moment like all time besides the championship, like a lot of people we ask this, they'll say uh, the Marcus Smart double charges is up there. What else <laughs> we get? Isaiah dropping fifty three or fifty two against the Wizards, sure. things like that. Um, I mean, probably that Pierce Lebron game, as far as a game I would have seen in person. Uh, but I'm trying to think of something just in general. I mean, that that Isaiah game was ridiculous. You know, that would absolutely be up there just in terms of, you know, enjoying human accomplishment and everything that, you know, he had been through between, you know, just burying his sister after that tragic car accident right before the playoffs and, you know, the dental work and all those hours in the chair after busting his face on the parquet floor. And, you know, I mean. You know, it was it was sort of the beginning of the hip injury, too. Obviously, it was, you know, that was really a uh, a a pretty incredible, surreal moment, you know, for for uh, for one postseason, for one game, for one year. You know, I mean, he's never going to be that guy again. He never was that guy prior to that, though. He flirted with it a little bit the year prior, I guess. But, you know, that was that was just a, you know, 
it, it, as far as single season statistical accomplishments go for players, Isaiah Thomas had, you know, a, about as good a, a season by a Celtics player ever. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I mean, that was wild. I think we all miss Isaiah Thomas. Um, and, and the last thing we wanted to ask you, uh, it's to be a quick answer because I, I know you have to go uh, pretty soon, but uh, do you have a favorite Celtics jersey? Just any jersey that you own, any Celtics jersey. Yeah, I do. Um, and it's it's funny you ask that. So I, I have a few Celtics jerseys, but the, the one that is my favorite, which will probably surprise you, is Eddie House. Really? And the, the, the reason that one is my favorite is, um, you know, so back when, like I said, I was a season ticket holder, I went through this thing where I wanted to get a, you know, wear jerseys to games, whatever, buy a few jerseys. And so I had, I had already had a Pierce jersey. I got a KG jersey. But really my, my favorite guy on that team was Eddie House. I just loved Eddie House. Maybe it's because I, I, I love shooters. But, um, and I, I would go, I mean, before or after every game that I went to, I'd go into the pro shop there at the garden looking for an Eddie House jersey. And they just, they didn't sell them. It was, <laughs> it, it, it was like they, and I mean, they had everyone's jersey that you could imagine. Uh, like you could get like a, you could have bought in like a, a, a Chris Humphreys jersey. You couldn't find an Eddie House jersey. And it just, it, it blew my mind. And, uh, and I don't even quite remember all the dots to connect but you know fast forwarding to the end of the story I wound up buying this jersey like a swingman style you know so everything was stitched on black Eddie House jersey 50 jersey uh that like out of some guy's trunk (laughs) (laughs) like like I didn't I didn't buy it like on like they didn't sell it in the NBA store they didn't sell it you know in the pro shop they didn't sell it on the Celtics website like I couldn't find this anywhere and s- some random dude that probably you know got jerseys from China or somewhere that you know I, I bought it for like thirty bucks or something. I don't. I don't. Even, but that that is my favorite Celtics jersey for sure. I mean, yeah, the story behind that alone is legendary. That's the best answer we've gotten to that question. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, I know you have to go. Um, you guys can follow Adam at Adam M Kaufman on Twitter. Is that correct? That correct. That's correct. You yeah. got it. And if you're not following Adam and you're listening to the, us talk about Celtics, your priorities are all out of whack. So make, make sure to go appreciate follow it. him. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, guys. Great time. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank you. you anything you want to plug? Yeah, anything you got, you got going on or anything, feel free to, you know. Uh, just, you know, fo- follow on Twitter and anything I'm up to, you'll probably see it there. 100%. Or I'll right. just be talking about movies I'm watching. <laughs> Well, again, appreciate you coming on. You guys can follow us at Bannertown USA, and I'll leave it up to Sam to wrap us up. Yeah, give Adam a follow for sure. We appreciate him coming on quite a bit. Uh, you can follow Jack at Jack Simone MBA. You can follow Bannertown at Bannertown USA, and you can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. That's our show for today. Bye. <laughs>